welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neal. Hiya! How are you doing this week, Sam? It's been a mixed bag. Yeah. It's really, really been a mixed bag. <laughs> uh, it's very hot. It is. It's not as hot anymore. Hottest day on record ever last week. Yeah, that was, that was good fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I had a great time. It was, it was not nice. It was like 32 degrees up north, which is uh, it's quite unusual. Yeah, that's absurd. Uh, I think around by me it's about 36. Oof. Uh, and I was working at the time. <laughs> Out, walking, carrying heavy bags, delivering mail. Because I was just sort of like, I was like, oh, this, this will be all right. Like, I'll just embrace it. I'll be sweaty and I'll look horrible and I'll just get through it and it'll be fine. And I was doing that and just like drinking a lot of water and embracing it. And then it got to about one o'clock and I just stopped sweating. Because <laughs> my my body had just like run out of fluids. No sweat left to give. <laughs> yeah, it was so great. Um, and then for the next like hour, it was just, like my blood felt like it was boiling. Yeah, it was it was really not good. It was not a healthy place to be. It's yeah. kind of cooled down a bit now. It it has a bit. Um, it was like. So like Thursday, I went yeah. like going to work and it was like 28 degrees. And I was like, why is it 28 degrees at seven o'clock in the morning? Like, yeah. <laughs> what is this? It's like, why, it's like, why is it 28 degrees at like 10 o'clock at night? Yeah. <laughs> it's so unpleasant. It's so horrible. But that seems to calm down slightly. We've got norm, more normal summer UK temperatures. Yeah. Which yeah. has been more pleasant. And that's your uh, weather update for the week. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, this is particularly, you know, it's one we've got to talk about, right? Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's not just like, it's been raining. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly been a, a warm summer, definitely. The planet is dying. The planet is dying. Yeah. R.I.P. Earth. Can we get a, get an F in chat for the planet? The planet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what you need to do. Don't, you know, like, you know, change your behaviours and try and do things to help place the planet. Just press F. Yeah, just press F. Thoughts and prayers. Um, yeah, thoughts and prayers. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I had a good Friday. Sweet. Played Legacy F&M. Nice, how did that go? 4080. Hey. Renin 6 is a hell of a magic card. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I finally picked up um, my Tager and my Plateau to actually own the deck properly. Yeah. As opposed to just borrowing, borrowing Jewel Lands people. Yep, we're undefeated. Nice. It was really good. If you, want, if you want to see my deck list specifically, it's on Twitter. It was really, really good. I had a great time. Uh, and I got one of the promo prize packs Ooh. for FNM. Nice. And opened a foil... Japanese old art Ugin. Ooh, yeah. So that's helped make my car payment this week. <laughs> nice T-pose Ugin. It looks really sweet. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of sad I have to get rid of it. Like, I, I have to get rid of it, right? Because, like, I don't, I don't have to, but, like, it makes, you know, bills and stuff a lot easier. Yeah, I, I would but, I would get rid of it. I'll flip that, flip that ASAP, I think. Yeah, I did. Found someone locally to buy it. Yeah. Um, for a very good price, I might add. But um, yeah, it's really pretty. So that was good fun. I, I, I think I played some really, really good Magic, and Maverick is still my favourite deck ever. Nice. It was really good. Then on Sunday, my phone broke. <laughs> so I'm currently having to use a backup phone, which is kind of bad. Yeah, that's not fun. It's yeah. not fun at all. But yeah, you know, other than that, I'm fine. Sweet. Good. I've had a good time. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Um, I haven't really played any Paper Magic. I would have loved to play Legacy. I haven't played Legacy for ages, so it's... Really, really have that that itch that I, I'm looking to scratch. Um, hopefully at, at GP Birmingham. Just two weeks to go. Yeah, ish. we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have still been still been on that that mythic arena train, uh, desperately trying oh, yeah. to grind my way there whenever I've got some free time, which hasn't been a lot to be honest over the over the past week. I haven't really had a lot of chances to play. But I, I'm I'm getting there. I don't think I'm going to hit Mythic this season, considering we've got like uh, one day left, two days left. Yeah, two days left in the season. Uh, so I'm I'm mm-hmm. currently sat at Diamond Tier Three. So 
I'm fairly close. You can just call in sick to work, right? No, no, not for arena. <laughs> I, I, I can't come in today. I need to hit Mythic. Your boss will definitely understand. It's a perfectly reasonable thing to ask. At the same time, I also don't need to hit Mythic because if I do hit Mythic, then the uh, the Mythic weekend event is the same weekend as, as Magic Fest Birmingham. Oh, yeah. You don't have to go. You can hit Mythic and not go. <laughs> I do because I'm not going to get a chance to play Legacy otherwise. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's yeah. very true. Yeah. So I, I think uh, I definitely not going to hit mythic this season uh, but i think I've, i think i've done a pretty good run uh and i I'm, i think i'm gonna keep trying uh i think if i spend like like a whole you know a whole month's worth of arena game time which which isn't isn't that much compared to some people for me uh mm-hmm. I, I think i stand much better chance than the the tuna bit weeks or whatever it's been uh on, on this run especially just, if i'll be, if I'll, I'll be starting off on like gold tier two as well rather than like bronze tier four yeah yeah just, just ignore your family. Just go to work, come home, play arena, go to bed. Sounds like a miserable existence. Um, I mean, there are some people that are currently doing that miserable <laughs> existence. But, you know, if that's what they want to do, if that's how they want to spend their time. Yeah, more more power to them, I guess. But yeah, yeah. other than that, uh, I have been drafting on Magic Online as well. Wow, you yeah. and like three other people? <laughs> yeah, me and at least seven other people, because that's what it at takes to fire, <laughs> to fire a... A cons cons of talker cube. I, I can't remember the, the, the name of, of the format. It's like created. It's part of like the created cube lists which they're doing. Mm-hmm. So we've had things like uh, like the proto cube and like a pulper cube. Uh, so now we've got the the cons cube, which is really cool. It's mostly um, cards from cons of talker. Uh, Dragons Attacker and Fate Reforge, but then you've got a few other cards uh, which sort of fit into archetypes that are uh, sort of, I guess some of them do feel a little bit sort of shoehorned into into that format. Uh, so you've got like cards from uh, from like Future Sight and, and Time Spiral and uh, like other cards which care about Morph, and then you've got cards from uh, from Modern Horizons as well. There's a couple from Modern Horizons and Battle Bond that sort of just sort of fit in with the themes enough that they don't seem out of place. So it's 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 been cool. Uh, it's it certainly feels unique, uh, and yeah, I, I just like it when they stick something different up on Magic Online. Mm-hmm. How long has it been taken to uh, fire apart? Uh, it's I'd say roughly it it takes anywhere between five and ten minutes of waiting in a queue to to get a, a draft fired. Oh, that's really not bad. So it's 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 not ideal, but it, it's not horrendous. Um, I mean, I'd happily wait 10 minutes, like, in a queue at a, at a GP or whatever. I mean, I'd happily wait, like, an hour in a queue at a GP to draft a cube, like, anything to draft a cube anywhere, to be honest. I mean, I feel like 5 to 10 minutes was, like, reasonable wait time for a cube even before Arena. I think 5 to 10 minutes is fine. Yeah, yeah, quite probably. I mean, I found that, like, Legacy Cube and Vintage Cube used to, used to fire, like, the draft portion used to fire a lot quicker than that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's not that bad in the long run. And, uh, like, once you get the draft portion out of the way, like... You're looking at what, like a minute or two at most, like a very, very most between like finding games as well. Once you're in the league, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I'd definitely recommend checking it out if you get a chance while it's still up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I won't be doing that, but I appreciate you recommending it to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just just great to draft like a limited environment, like vaguely based on on cons again. Is it as good as the actual like booster draft, or is it? Um... That's good or more good? Or? Uh, no, it's definitely not. I don't think it's it's definitely as good as the booster draft. I think there are one or two sort of almost want to say like problem cards that come up a lot more than they did in the booster draft. Like in particular, I'd say like Sagu Mola has a bit of a beating. Uh, mm. Like I, I'm not sure if it appears in the cube list once or twice, but it just seems like every time every time I, I, I've played against somebody, like they either had it or I had it, and yeah, having like a uh, like a big hexproof trample beater that you can get down fairly easily is is 
a little problematic, I think. Uh, and then mm. I don't know if it's too good, but it, it's definitely it's definitely a, a strategy that you can only get it off in this cube rather than in the limited format, just like the the, the trailer mystery. Yeah, the the morph. The card. yeah, <laughs> when you, well, yeah, when you custom a morph, go get your go search your your library for basic land and put it in your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- that is a legitimately really good strategy in this format. Whereas I feel like that really didn't get to live up to its potential in in cons limited. Yeah, because there was less of a chance of you actually opening it right yeah yeah lots of chance of opening it and then you you, i mean yeah sure there were quite a few morphs but it wasn't just like like this cube where like you could easily pick a morph every pack if you wanted to there are loads in in the the limited environment Mm -hmm. it's cool though i'm glad they they've stuck it up there and yeah i I like it i I kind of feel like i want to make a a take cube myself i don't know if i'd build it exactly the way that they, they did for this cube but I really like the idea of it, just having like it like a planar cube. Yeah, that sounds really sweet. Yeah. Um, I've I've really I've drafted an inner strap cube before. Oh, nice. And like, which was um, so original inner strap block and yeah. um, shadows block. Oh, cool. That was really good fun. Yeah, I can like, imagine. Once on that, really, a really, really cool. Um, I'm a big fan of theme cubes because like it just feels a lot of time with vintage or legacy cube. It just all feels a little bit samey. Yeah. yeah. Um, and everyone's well most people's just sort of like stock good vintage cube is just a, a good vintage cube that you could draft on Magic Online stuff like that but when you have like a theme it feels it feels like an experience you know like something special yeah it just feel, like feels it was like, something a bit different yeah like it was the first you know when you first drafted a cube and you were like this is the best thing ever yeah and then it sort of gets a bit repetitive it's still great right it's still the best format but it's, it gets a little bit repetitive then yeah. you, you craft, something, craft something like a um, like a plain plain one or a theme one or like a mono blue cube or something like that just feels a little bit special again which is nice so other than playing Magic I did manage to do a fair bit of watching magic over the weekend uh-huh. as it was uh, hashtag my thick championship for <laughs> please please leave your thick championship out of this <laughs> <laughs> we did have the uh, the mythic championship for uh, from Barcelona this weekend mm-hmm. it was a time right uh, some things happened yeah some cards were played um, some cards were played more than others yeah so the, the <laughs> format for this event it was a split format so it was a modern horizons draft which I thought was really cool and I, I really liked watching that as, as a limited format yeah it's really sweet uh, and then it was also modern constructed which I think was yes. a little bit less sweet to watch well you know <laughs> <laughs> we I think our, our opinions on the modern format are well documented by by now, right? Yeah, I I agree definitely. I, I yeah, I I just don't think modern makes for the best viewing experience currently. I, like you know, or playing experience. Yeah, definitely playing experience, but certainly like viewing experience as well. Like you might have like one gamer out of every handful that is interesting. Like you might get to see like they might sort of showcase like a fair matchup like like Jund versus like Blue White or something like once every every handful of games. But for, like every one of those games, you get three like. Oh, this game's ended on turn three. Opponent concedes. Well, that lasted all ten minutes, like round mm-hmm. over, which I, I just don't think makes for the the most interesting viewing experience. There's, no, only, there's only so many times you can watch a you can watch an interview with Martin Mueller in between games. Yeah, yes, yeah, very true. Or you can get taught how to how to pile shuffle <laughs> by Wizards of the Coast staff. You can be taught how to do a thing you're not supposed to do. Yeah, and be told how great it is. Yeah. I wish they'd stop playing that video. I wish people would stop pile shuffling. Yeah, because it's not shuffling. Like, sorry, I think, pile the, I think, counting. yeah, I think they should just, like, they just need to call it pile counting, like what it is, and stop promoting it as something that you you should do. 
Edge people just don't don't know him, do they? Yeah, I always ask my opponent not to partial, and it's always really awkward, and I feel kind of bad. But I'm just like, please don't partial. But I don't have five minutes to sit here watching you put cards on the table to then have a non-sufficiently randomized deck. Please, <laughs> I value my time on this earth. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't have an issue with it if you're doing it like game two and you, you've got sideboard cards in or whatever. Like that's fine. Yep. Like leave legitimate reasons to count your deck. Like mm-hmm. that is absolutely fine, but like game one or like every game, like just just don't, just don't. It's just fine. when they start Shuff- doing you, it. you shuffle your deck, pass it to me. I'll shuffle your deck, I'll pass it back. We're all good. Yeah, I don't. It's just not. I, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. The fact that <laughs> put, like putting it on an official Magic the Gathering broadcast is absurd. Yeah, <laughs> it's like legitimately absurd because like they're guaranteed there'll be a pickup in people doing it. Right? There'll be like more people will do it because they saw it on this. But oh, that's cool. You know. Yeah, definitely. I think if you, you're taking into consideration like a lot of players that are coming into the game specifically from Arena, where you don't actually physically shuffle the cards yourself, um, mm. then going from playing Arena to to watching you know, watching the Mythic Championship and, and being shown that oh, this is the way you can shuffle your deck, and then going into a store and then shuffling their deck like that is yeah, I don't think it's it's great advice to be given out. Speaking of going from playing Arena to watching the Mythic Championship, yeah. Can you imagine just playing Arena and then being like, oh, there's this, this, this like really big magic tournament that's being broadcast on Twitch and then seeing this one? <laughs> and seeing this modern format being played? Yeah, I, I think like, it's, it's going to be a, a real experience for, for some people, I think, definitely. Um, we're used to like grinding out games and like playing interactive magic and then suddenly there's a Hogarth on the table and someone's dead and you have no idea what happened. Oh, if, you, if you're playing best, like, speaking from experience, if you're playing best of one Arena, like, you're not playing interactive magic at all. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, you understand how the games have been won and lost, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you have no experience of modern and you just see that, like, what has happened? <laughs> Suddenly there's an 8-8 with trampoline play and someone has conceded. Excellent. That was good fun. Yeah. What an excellent viewing experience. Yeah. So it was an okay event. I think I think it was an unusual one. I think it's one that we're going to we're going to remember for for better or for worse. I think. Um, mm-hmm. So there was there was a lot of hogak, right? It's just it's just just to talk about it. There was a lot of hogak. One might say there was too much. Yeah. So the the overall sort of meta percentage for Hogak specifically, uh, so not including Hogak Hogak Dredge, uh, mm. was twenty one point four percent on day one. That's quite a lot, isn't it? It is, yeah. So that was the, the most played archetype on day one. The second most played archetype on day one day one was Is it Phoenix? Uh, and that had ten point five percent. So like, <laughs> less than half of of, uh, of Hogak. Yeah, remember when like everyone was complaining about how busted as a Phoenix was and how it needed to get banned and how we couldn't beat it? Yeah. And that was just a Declan. <laughs> just is so much better. So much better. Yeah. It's not it's not it's really not good. Um I think it's fair to say that something needs to be done at this point, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's just <sighs> Was bridge from below the wrong card to get rid of? I think, I think quite probably that is that is the case. I know a lot of people, sort of a lot of the pros that were were playing the deck that deck that weekend, sort of chimed in with the opinion of like banning bridge actually made the deck better because you you were forced to you were forced to sort of brew and try to find the most efficient version of the deck. Whereas like the bridge one, the bridge one was kind of good enough. You could just get away with playing playing that. You didn't really have to innovate. But now with Bridge gone, there was you know there was an, the incentive there to to innovate and try to find and, and find the best Hogak deck there was. And I, I think that certainly happened. Mm-hmm. So the Bridge one was just sort of easy default yeah. deck to play, and it was just good enough that you didn't have to try and make it better. 
Yeah. Because it was already busted by itself. Yeah. So if you were to be playing in modern, one and a green for a creature spell, yep. what would that be? Huh, one and a green for a creature. Well, I think typically the one that comes to mind is Tarmogoyf, right? Um, yeah. Do you think that was played more at this Pro Tour than Sato Wayfinder? It, yeah, it just wasn't, was it? <laughs> it just shouldn't be. That's such a <laughs> weird thing. Remember yeah. when Tarmogoyf was just the king of modern? Yeah. And was the best card, and now it's being like you're paying one on turn two. You want to make a one one, yeah, because it's just better and just makes your deck more expensive. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. So we we saw obviously in the place of of bridge from below, uh, most of the Hogak decks are now playing four copies of Seder Wayfinder, and uh, that was mm-hmm. something that I saw like multiple pros on on Twitter on like Thursday night, like the night before day one, sort of play testing their, their decks out and. Like multiple people were using Tarmogoyf as proxies for Seder Wayfinder because they didn't have any until the, the site opened the next morning. <laughs> Baby, well, why would you? Why would you have Seder Wayfinder? Yeah, like it's kind of it's kind of okay in Pauper. It's not good in Pauper. It's kind of okay in Pauper. It's a, a reasonable commander card. It's a, it's a decent cube card. Sure, but you need one copy in your cube, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> people just ripping apart their cubes to build their modern decks. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's such a stupid card to be seeing so much play. Yeah, I think if honestly, you, you look at kind of like a say like a like a sample main deck for the the, the Hogak deck, we've got four Bloodcast, four Carrion Feeder, three Golgari Thug, four Gravecrawler, four Stitcher Supplier, three Insolent Neonate, four Sator Wayfinder, four Vengevine, four Hogak Arisen Necropolis. Four faithless looting and three lightning axe. I mean, not every deck looked exactly like that, but that that was kind of like the the sort of generic. This is your starting point when when playing that deck. Yeah, that's become like the accepted the, the accepted build at this point. Yeah, it's just the most uh, like the, the most efficient core, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. You certainly had different um, different flavors in there. Like some people were playing ultra dementia. Some were playing like you know main deck laying on the voids to beat the mirror, which is a whole mess. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, I think. The thing with this conversation is that there's a lot to unpack, right? Yeah. There's a lot to unpack, but generally it all boils down to a very sim- simple thing, is that Hogak doesn't seem like a healthy card for modern, right? Yeah, agreed, 100%. Um, yeah, the fact that, like, you look at the look at the most played cards over the weekend, and I think it just, just tells the complete story, really. Like, you can, you can say what you want about, like, the top eight of, of a Pro Tour, of a mythic championship sorry i think top eights are you mostly just kind of like arbitrary data points that don't actually say a lot about the format because you have to factor in like the limited portion and yeah i just i just i just don't think they they showed the full picture i think once you look at like the other data such as like conversion rates uh from day one to day two and just meta percentage that decks and strategies like had if you couple that with the most played cards it just it looks ridiculous for the Hogak decks. So the the most played cards were pretty much just just the Hogak deck. Like mm-hmm. you got the most played card in in the event was uh, Leyline of the Void. Great. Eight hundred and thirty six copies of Leyline of the Void played. Uh, <laughs> that was, so was seventy three main deck copies and seven hundred and sixty three sideboard copies. Mm-hmm. Second most played card is Faithless Looting. That's seven hundred forty seven total copies, which is entirely seven hundred forty seven main deck copies. So that we know is spread across a, a couple of different decks. Uh, so the Izzet Phoenix deck was playing Faithless Looting as well. Uh, Mono Red. Phoenix deck was playing Faithless Looting, uh, but obviously Hogak also plays a full play set of Faithless Looting. Mm-hmm. After that, we've got Thoughtseize at considerably less, at 497 copies over the, the weekend, uh, 118 main deck copies, 379 sideboard copies. I, I'm not surprised by 
my thoughts is at all being being up there like sure the Hogak deck isn't playing it but I, I think if, if you look at like modern at any time like thoughts is going to be quite a highly played card the Hogak deck is playing it right in the sideboard uh, yeah sure in the sideboard yeah yeah you can play yeah, it in the yeah, sideboard but not in the main board yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a strange picture of a format right yeah it doesn't seem like a healthy format I mean there's there's considerations that you know Faith is Looting is the modern brainstorm right where you're just playing it because it's the the best cantrip but that also means that the best strategy in modern is just to be a graveyard deck yeah and the fact that these decks are still able to prosper and still able to put good results, even with the most playing card far and away being Leyline of the Void, is just yeah. I, I don't know. I think the the I mean I don't I don't, I don't know if I feel like overlooked is like the the term I want to use, or I'd say like the the less sort of in your face point is is the one that really sort of seals it for me is when you look at like the the difference between the number of copies of Thoughties that were played. And the number of copies of Bloodcast that were played. I think that's a really interesting data point. In fact, you got 497 copies of Thoughtseize uh, were played. So it's 118 main deck copies, 379 sideboard copies. So if you, that's, that's over a, a whole bunch of different decks playing them main board, playing them sideboard. That's 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 Jund. That's you know, Esper Control. That's like whatever, whatever can play black most likely is playing like at least one thought season 75 mm-hmm. 497 and then you look at the bloodcast there were 496 copies of bloodcast played over the weekend and they were all main deck copies and that's only in one or two strategies yeah that's that's what gives you the good picture right because i think there was a lot of conversation over the weekend and um you know following the results that we're seeing like, oh there's only one hogak deck in the top eight of the of the mythic championship yeah and it's like that's that's not a good place to get your get your data from to assess the format right yeah because there was um, an interesting piece where it was like you know the people that the, the hogak decks generally the pi- the pilots were you know tr- showing up poorly in draft yeah. which obviously brings their entire performance down so you're not going to see them at the higher tables and with a better result because even though they're crushing modern with a stupid deck if their draft didn't go well then you're not going to see it at the top so um, I think looking at this stuff and looking at the cards that were played the fact that Bloodgas was essentially seeing the same number as the players thought sees which at one time was probably the best one of the best cards in modern yeah I mean, the fact that um, like Bloodgast had more main deck there was more main deck copies of Bloodgast in the tournament than there were like total copies of Lightning Bolt in the tournament yeah that's absurd yeah that's not that's not a good place for, for us to be for, for modern as a format yeah definitely not I mean this I think this is just sort of sort of a stronger example of something I felt about modern for a while it's just that these are the decks that prosper right these are the decks that that are being played and that that dominate the format yeah these sort of stupid all-in combo decks that are uh, sort of difficult to disrupt or you need like absolute haymakers to disrupt um and that, that's that's been that's been true for for a while and why i don't like modern but for, for, for it to be specifically channeled this much into one archetype because at least when it was you know hardened scales and, and trial and is at phoenix at least there was sort of diversity in the amount of in the amount of stupid combo decks that were being played so like yeah. there was some sort of in, interesting games like so some difference in the, in the way the games played out and the way that you played in tournaments and you played against different flavors of stupid all-in combo decks yeah but it's just getting to the point where it's just one stupid all-in combo deck that's just dominating the entire format and that's not good oh yeah definitely I think as well another data point which is really telling is when like if you look at the the 24 to 27 point um, uh, match point deck lists from modern you look mm-hmm. at like the people who are playing the Hogak deck and I think that's really telling as well like you got yep. like the the page on, on the, the magic home page uh, for the, the event and like right there like the top of the list like Hogak being played by Corey Bowmeister obviously very good player then mm-hmm. 
beneath that, it's it's a Hogak list being played by Paolo Vito Domodorosa. Yep. And then below that, it's a Hogak list being played by Reed Duke. Yep. And then you scroll down a couple past the, the blue-white deck. You've got Marcus Lung playing Hogak Dredge. And then below that, you've got Martin Mueller playing Hogak. You've got Sam Pardy playing Hogak. Mm-hmm. You've got Tobias Ruiz playing Hogak. Bernardo Santos playing Hogak. Matt Severa playing Hogak. You've got like all of these like, you know, in GP and, and and Pro Tour kind of consistent like top thirty two finishers. Some of the best players in the game currently all decided that, oh yeah, th- this this is what I want to play. This all playing sort of slightly different variations of the deck, but this is the strategy that we think is is best for the format. Mm-hmm. This is the thing, when people like Reed Duke are playing Hogak, then it seems something's gone wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. The man that always plays some kind of rock or jun deck whenever he can at any competitive event because he's just that good with it. It's just playing something like this is just absurd, especially when you when given that Jund is actually quite good in the format. Yeah. When Jund is a powerful deck that um, someone like Riju can, can leverage because he's such a good pilot with a deck and he just thinks that's not good enough, I need to play Hogak, then <laughs> that's uh, not a particularly good thing. Yeah, because like, Jund, Jund, Jund is absolutely never going to win a game on turn two, like ever, whereas yeah. Hogak wins on turn two a non-zero amount of times. Yeah, because you're playing on turn two, you're playing Tarmogoyf instead of, say, a Wayfinder. Yeah. What a stupid thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, it, it something needs to happen, and... I think the thing is, like, whether Bridge from Below or Hogart was the right band, I think both need, needed to go, because Bridge of the Blind just wasn't a reasonable magic card. There was nothing fair going on, and every time Bridge from Below was good, it was too good. Yeah, agreed. You know, like, the, the, the Bridge decks were always, whenever they were good, they were, never just, they were never just like, oh, this is a contender in the format, in the way that Tron is, or um, in, the, in the way that Jund is, or whatever. It's always just, this is completely busted, yeah. or it's terrible, and you shouldn't play it. Yeah. Um, but... Oh, it's just proven that Hogak just also needs to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you couple that with the the results from the the Star City Open, where you had like four Hogak decks in the top eight. Yeah, the the Open in Columbus. Yes, I just that's that's another tournament you need to look at, right? Yeah. Um, as well as the Pro Tour, and that's that that's a, that's obviously a tournament's entirely dictated by the playing of modern. There was no there was there was no split format, um, and Hogak would suddenly make itself known there. Yeah. Uh, coming second, third, fifth, and seventh. Um, it's really not good. Well, interesting to know that um, just plain old Tron won both tournaments. Yeah, it, it's quite interesting, right? I mean, fairly. Tron's just like, I don't know, Wormcoil Engine's a good card, right? Yeah, Wormcoil Engine's a good card. Um, it, it's interesting that it was just kind of your typical mono green Tron list, like pre mm-hmm. Khan the Great Creator. Um, I think I think that was quite interesting. I don't know is is it just where we're at in the format because you've got cards like you've got cards like like Ugin which um, which obviously exiles Hogak which which is a thing definitely. Khan himself is still pretty good on turn three. Or is is this is this the London Mulligan coming into play and like does it really sort of fundamentally change the format that much? No, not really. Honestly, like I I, I don't think it does. I think this is just a symptom of modern as a format. Yeah. I've heard it's a comic heavy. I think on the point of Tron just being like a sort of stock, uh, sort of monogreen Tron list, I think the whole Khan nonsense. So the earliest you're casting a Khan is turn three, right? Yeah. And then you're casting it like some flats on turn four and trying to win the game. Yeah. Or you're searching for a cyborg piece or, or, or some kind of some kind of card to help out the matchup. But if you're making a Khan on turn three, that's your opponent's 
made a Hogak by turn two or turn three. Yeah. Right? And trying to kill you. And they could just kill your Khan. So your Micah Titus does nothing. You just wasted a turn. Yeah. And done essentially nothing. So I think just being able to, like, whereas making uh, a turn three wor- uh, Worm Coil engine is, which both of these were playing four of, is a lot more impactful. Yeah, definitely. Or just <clears throat> turn three Khan liberated, exile your Hogak, and you know, I get to live at least another one turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just the, the whole format's being overshadowed by this deck. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's reasonable. But I mean, this is just this is just a, like the format. This is what I, like I was saying before. This is just uh, a sort of a blown out version of what it's been for a while. It just happens to be that this one particular deck is is doing the thing that every other deck has been doing for a while, just better. Yeah, right? like it's absolutely just a stupid combo. I, I think you know we, we've got quite a few sort of talking points and data points to, to take away from this this mythic championship and just the, the fact that Leyline of the Void was the most played card and the most played card by a considerable amount. Kind of shows that, like this, this by definition, this deck is format warping, and mm-hmm. surely for the sake of competitive diversity, Hogak, Arisen Necropolis should be banned in modern. Surely, like that has to be the line, right? Yeah, I, I would, I would think so. Yeah, I would absolutely just, think so. I, I think, like the deck, you know, the, the deck obviously isn't unbeatable because we we only saw one copy in the top eight. Tron won the tournament, whatever. But it's warping the format to the point where. You, you have to play ley lines like you have to play certain cards like you you, you see Reed Duke playing this instead of Jund like that's that's not healthy that's not good it seems to be at the point where they would consider it as format warping as, as Splinter Twin ever was <laughs> remember Splinter Twin <laughs> yeah remember yeah. when you just had to hold up Path to Exile or Eruptica and turn three so your opponent didn't win and they get to play a game of magic no because I, I played Tron back then which apparently no. is the best deck in modern, so... <laughs> uh, massively disagree. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. It's certainly not bad currently. It just won the Pro Tour and the Star City Open on the same weekend. Yes. Unbanned clearly, win. Is, Tron is too good. Clearly that is the data point we should be paying attention to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly not nothing, right? You can't just ignore that, but like... Oh yeah, for sure. It's just... It's a it's a good deck. It's a powerful deck. It's a deck that gets to play Worm Coil Engine, which is particularly good against Hogark. Yeah. And it got better with the London Mulligan and it gets it, like every deck it gets to play four copies of Leyland on the Void on the sideboard yeah so and also two very good players played it <laughs> yeah definitely it's not just like it's a busted deck um, but you know those tournaments were won by good players as well as good decks um, I don't know Modern's still going through a phase of things but like where's Amulet Titan yeah, yeah. I remember when Amulet Titan was like the deck yeah like who knows I, I feel like Amulet Titan's probably one of those decks that potentially gets better with the London Mulligan as well and like obviously you know there was some hype around Lotus Field like could that see some play but the, the deck just just wasn't there I think it's because like because Hogak just just gets there faster or gets there faster or as fast and then like you have like other decks like Neobrand like where was Neobrand I think that, that's a deck which which is you know it's as galaxy brain to play as amulet titan almost and it it sort of gets there in the same amount of time but like even that was drastically underrepresented because of hogak i just yeah that's the thing it's just like that deck and hogak feel sort of comparable right they're like stupid decks that can basically win the game on turn two yeah like hogak doesn't actually win the game on turn two and neobrand can win the game on turn one but like they feel sort of sort of comparable right in their in their power level what they're trying to do in a game of magic but yeah. it just it's the near brand deck just isn't consistent because you have to draw so many cards in order to win the game that early otherwise your deck's yeah. just a pile of just a pile of crap like it's just you're playing loads of bad cards because like some of the time you get to draw them all in the right order and win the game yeah whereas the Hogak deck is just sort of like I think I think probably the, the, there's a build of a deck that's probably slightly better than the one we're seeing currently but people haven't had the time to put into it enough yeah 
but it's it's a well-oiled machine and all the work all the parts work together and your deck is just that efficient um whereas the nearby deck is just like okay i drew three allosaurus riders and like two grizzle brands and this deck does nothing yeah um so it's interesting but um i think that's that's sort of the reason like if you're gonna if you're because the, the pro tour isn't the kind of place where you just take your pet deck normally right you take the best deck because you want to win because it's the pro it's the mythic championship right like you want to win so you're taking the best deck and there's there's no space there's very little space for like the deck you want to play it's the deck you should play so if you're looking for the best most efficient combo deck that just kills people aggressively and that's all the deck wants to do then i think hogart was the best decision yeah unless you unless you have like absurd reps with something like he's at phoenix and you can leverage that sort of thing yeah um and you're able to play well with a certain deck over over hogak then hogak was just was just the choice i think yeah i still go back go back to think about when you know when we, when we uh reviewed modern horizons yeah we were like oh what's this card this looks here this, this this seems weird this is probably like not even that good for the commander yeah but Remember when I, we said I, that? <laughs> everybody missed it though didn't they i think like yeah they really did like at the time, I, I think I was I was very well aware that it was a good card, but I just kind of thought like it obviously it looks good, but it's you know kind of cute. Like does 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 the deck need this card? I was you know thinking like oh well Dredge can play this, but I was like well Dredge can just get there dead fast anyway. Like does it need this? But like yeah, clearly everybody was wrong until it was yeah, too was late. Just, yeah, yeah, including wizards for making and printing the card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think they thought it was going to be good? Uh, they, they must have, or else they wouldn't have printed the card, right? I don't think they thought it would be quite as as dominating as it has been, but they they must have known. I think with, with sets like that, and with, with sets in general, I think Wizards often print really cool misses. Yeah. I mean, like, they print really cool cards that are clearly not going to see play, and I think this is probably one of them where you just jam... Oh, we haven't seen... I'm pretty sure I mentioned this last time we talked about it, but um, you jam Delve and Convoke on a card because they're two mechanics that seem di- diametrically opposed right like yeah. one is a one is a soul time mechanic one is a selesnia mechanic and they sort of don't really work that well together and it's kind of cool when you put it on a card and people go oh this is interesting and then it accidentally breaks the entire format yeah i think it i don't think it was intended to be good i think yeah. it was intended to be a cool card um and i don't think i think it's the same with carrying feed i don't think people are expecting that card to be as good as it is because Viscerasir hasn't been that good outside of like Kitchen Finks and whatever. Yeah, that's true. Like you know, Viscerasir was obviously good in the Bridgebind decks before all this. Yeah. Uh, but that, well, that wasn't a good deck, right? Without without Hogak and without um, Altered Mentor or whatever. I think they just printed some cool cards that they thought were going to be misses. Like I also thought Altered Mentor was going to be a miss because I thought it was just a cool re- reprint for Commander because it was like a ten dollar card and they yeah. did a reprint. Um, and it's a similar thing with Renin Six as well. Like people were selling those cards for like twelve pounds. Yeah, and now it's like close enough to a hundred dollars. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, people just miss cards, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think they try to print cool cards, not good cards. Yeah, I, I think that that's it. I think like a lot of the time, these sets are are designed with limited in mind as well. So they they, they don't want to make a card that is going to be you know completely busted in, in both formats, in both you know limited and and modern in this case. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think some of that must have come into play with Hogak. Also, the fact it's legendary means you know you're never going to be able to get four out on the field at the same time. Uh, you can't spend money to cast it. I think they they probably felt like they put enough restrictions on it to to make it not ridiculous. And I, I think the I think they were expecting cards like uh, like Cabal Therapist to be seeing a lot more play than a card like Hogak would. Uh, I don't know. That seem if that's the case, that seems short sighted. You know, I think I don't know. Like if they think if they think that a card like Cabal Therapist is good, they clearly don't understand what their own format is for. Like it seems like a kind of unless there's a huge disconnect between people that are designing sets and people that are doing the band and restricted list and keeping keeping like abreast of the format, right? Like quite possibly. If you think I, I, I think I, I just think think that's the kind of the the problem in general though I think I, I think the the overall 
I guess the overarching problem really is is I kind of feel like modern modern just kind of has an identity problem. I think like mm-hmm. it certainly does. No, like Wizards of the Coast don't really say what modern is or what modern should be. Like I know in in the past a lot of the time they've used the term like modern as a turn four format to describe modern, but I, I feel like that's something that you don't really hear them communicate a lot nowadays. And all, all they so as far as modern goes when they talk about modern they just talk about it having like a high power level and say that it's a it's a popular non-rotating format they don't really does, sort of sort of define kind of what what their vision for modern is like we, we just don't know i feel like i feel like like we just don't know like we know what standard's supposed to be uh i i, I think we we kind of understand what what, what legacy is supposed to be and you know the wizards of the coast don't really care about that they, they don't really care about vintage at all but like modern's one of the most popular formats but i i feel like they, they just don't really communicate what it is or what they think it is or what they think it should be or yeah i don't know I don't know. I think they think I think they know what they want standard to be. Yeah. They know what they want draft and sealed to be. I think often they know what they want draft to be more than sealed and I think there's some problems there but uh, I think they don't know what they want modern to be I don't think they know what they want legacy to be yeah. I think legacy just dictates itself I think le- legacy is sort of a here you go here's some cards that are legal you just define what the format is amongst yourselves Yeah. and when there's something that's clearly a problem like something like Death Rite Shaman or Cataxian Probe will step in Yeah. but I think very very much legacy is because it, what it's supposed every card is legal apart from you know uh, Moxon or whatever and like there's um, a small ban list Yeah. right like it's basically every card is legal right essentially so you can play whatever you want, and I think that leads it lends itself to being a busted format, right? Like it, it it's the most powerful magic you can possibly play outside of playing Power Nine and stuff. Like that's what it's it feels like it should be. Yeah. But what it ends up being is um, a grindy format that like games end on turn twelve, thirteen. Yeah. After a lot of resource trading, and that's like <laughs> well, they just to, end to on turn cards. one or two if you me. <laughs> this is this is the thing, right? Like, but you can't do that all the time, right? Because you have yeah. to wear a force. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, like, and that's a good thing. Like, or like, yeah, like Thalia exists, Trinosphere exists, like Thoughties mm-hmm. exists, uh, Days exists. Like these are things. Exactly, and that's that's what's keeping these kind of things in check. And that's just that's just how the format is shaken out. And it, it's everyone's everyone's okay with it, and everyone gets to play the deck they want. And honestly, like Legacy is legitimately a format where you can pick a deck that you you like that you have a natural affinity with that that you think is your deck, and you can just play it. Like yeah. I've played Maverick for on and off for like five years at this point. Yeah, this is just my deck. Like, and it's it's been competitive at all points. There were certain points where it wasn't as competitive. Uh, thank you, Death Watch Shaman. Hmm. Um, there were points where it's been incredibly competitive. Thank you, Delver. Like, it's and that, that's just the way the way it's been. It's what Le- Legacy is, and I think Wizards don't really care. <laughs> They're just like, okay, you're having fun. Play, play, play these cards if you want. We'll give you a GP every once a year, right? Yeah. Um, and they don't care what that format is. But modern, like you say, like is the most popular format. It is is getting to the point where it's the flagship format, right? In terms of like. For, for enfranchised players at least like it is the format that most enfranchised players play yeah I, Not- I, I would say so I think the I think it, it's as far as enfranchised players go I think it's the format that has both the most players and the most vocal players uh, mm, I don't know commander players are pretty vocal well it, I mean competitive formats like com- commander I don't really count commander with like standard modern legacy yeah as a side note I think there's an interesting conversation in this vein to be had about commander at some point sure in terms of like the competitive nature and an idea of the format and what it's meant to be and I, I, I would like to have that conversation at some point yeah we'll, we'll actually do that was not the time yeah I'm definitely up for doing a, a proper discussion episode on, on commander definitely I, I do 
you know, I, I make my feelings about the format very clear, but I, I do still follow <laughs> follow all of the, the sort of news around it, and yeah, I do think it is interesting. Absolutely, and there's, there's certainly been there's certainly been a shift in the last couple of years, at least, um, from what I remember Commander being when I first started playing in like 2013 yeah. to what I remember to what I see now. Um, but that, I mean, that's, that's also true of modern, right? Like modern is the format that I got into because I couldn't be able to keep up with constantly changing standard because I didn't have the the resources to do that. I didn't have the like the um, the access to tournaments to do that or, or the access to regular events to, to keep up with standards. So I chose modern, right? Yeah. Like I chose where my cards are my cards and, and they don't change. And it felt like at a certain point that you could just sort of pick a deck and for the next like 12 months, it would just be fine. And you'd make like some small iterations here and there. But now it feels more, it, <clears throat> it feels more akin to standard and the fact that standard is constantly changing and constantly rotating. And like, you need to be aware of different cards and it's not good enough just owning your playset of a 300, like, like a $500 playset of cards yeah. and having them because they might not be good enough anymore and you just got like dead value sitting in your folder because you like those cards but you can't play them if you want to be competitive. And it's it feels very different to why I got into modern and I think it's very different to why a lot of people got into modern but I think yeah. people are just willing to stick with it because it's the easiest format to, to keep with. Like once you have your playset of your playsets of the fetch lands in the colours that you like to play, yeah. like once you have your scalding tans and like once you have your... I don't know, Jace the Mind Sculptors or yeah, your Tarmogoyfs or your Dark Confidence. Yeah. Exactly. Once you have these expensive cards, it's easy to just keep in, right? It's yeah. easy to just have these cards and these are the cards I play in this format and I can change, you know, I can trade into $200 of cards here to make this deck And but you have like, so like I have a core where I have four Misty Rainforests, four Windsor Teeths, four Noble Hierarchs, right? Yeah. And then I just play the I try and I mean that Noble Horror decks are really bad <laughs> in modern specifically um, but not really bad the Druid deck's fine um, but the this is the thing I keep that core that's my core of expensive cards right in inverted commas and then I play around that so I play Infect and I play the Druid combo and I play like a terrible Collect Company deck and like, but I have a core of expensive cards that I, ha- I, I get to keep and then I, I don't have to spend a lot of money or trade a lot of cards away yeah in order to keep that, but that doesn't feel like modern anymore, and I feel like but people are still trying to hold on because that's how, what's that work. That's what they remember modern being. Yeah, definitely. They remember modern being this thing where I, I, I'm the person that owns Strand, I'm the person that owns Infect, I'm the person that owns Tron, and that isn't good enough anymore. Yeah. Um, and also those decks aren't good enough anymore. <laughs> like a lot of the time, you know. I mean, Tron and Jund are obviously very good. Um, but you know what I mean? Like you can't just keep your deck and just play and just turn up to your tournaments and, and just play your expeditioned out deck and, and whatever because you can't. It feels like it's constantly shifting, and that's that's why I've moved to Legacy. Yeah, like, I, I think I think out of all of the formats, I, I think modern currently feels more like best of one standard on arena like it mm-hmm. it doesn't really like a lot of a lot of things don't really matter like as long as you're playing like like one of the handful of top decks the things that matter the most are your opening hand your opponent's opening hand and who won the die roll mm-hmm. rather than Absolutely. like you know like what what is this matchup like do i have anything to interact with my opponent like it it just, it just doesn't really matter it's it's who can do their thing the fastest yep. it, is it over by turn three yes like that it it just doesn't it just doesn't feel good and it really doesn't matter. yeah I, I i do think that what would help the format would be would be just just some just something from from wizards of the coast if if they came out and said oh this is this is how we feel about modern we want modern to be like this therefore we're going to do x y and z or you know we're going to keep an eye on on this card or the or this deck or yeah i, I don't know I, I just feel like we don't really know what modern is supposed to be and and right now it just feels like a like a disaster i think the thing is i think if if Wizards of the coast came out with an article like uh in the same way that recently the commander rules committee uh, and the Commander Advisor Group came up with their philosophy document, right, yeah. about laying out what we want Commander to be. 
And a lot of people were like, oh, well, I don't agree with that. That's not what I play Commander for. It's like, okay, that's fine. You can do your own thing, whatever. And the thing with... I keep going back to Commander, but the thing with Commander is that it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Like, because you play with your own playgroup, you can set up your own rules. If you don't like the fact that a card is banned or a card is legal, you can play with it. And as long as people that are around play it, are okay with you playing yeah. it, and whatever, do what you want. And that's very much what the philosophy document often dictates. Like, people playing the magic they want to play and having fun in the way that they want to play, whether that's with, you know, mana crypts and soul rings and mana vaults and whatever, or it's with, you know, I want to cast this Genesis way for 30 on turn 17. Like, whatever but modern isn't like that because if you're playing modern you have to keep up to date with strict rules bans and you have to keep up with a, meta, a strict meta game as well yeah but i think the thing with the thing with if, if wizards came out and said we want modern to be like this and if they said we want modern to be a degenerate turn two turn three format where you know where the game is over and it matters who won the coin flip that would be fine honestly with yeah. me if that's what they want modern to be if they want it to be an incredibly powered down crap version of vintage, um, then all best of one standard, I guess, where you're just winning a coin, a coin flip and then butting heads to see who gets there first. Sure, that's fine. Like if they said that, that would be fine. But I think a lot of people don't want that. And I think a lot of people cling to modern because it's the format they can afford. It's the format that they've played the longest. It's the format that their playgroup play plays. It's the format that they, they, easiest, they, they have the easiest access to. Yeah. And I think people are just clinging on to a format that is clearly dying and it's clearly not what people want. And a lot of people do enjoy it, and that's fine. Like I know a lot of people that enjoy modern specifically because it's a de- degenerate, stupid format. Um, but they're clinging on to a format they don't enjoy because it's the format that they have access to, and I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah. And I think modern has changed so drastically over the last three or four years from when it was Tron, Splinter Twin, Jund, Birthing Part, whatever. It's changed so drastically from that former where everyone knew what was going on and you built your bruise and you got you, you were able to play your Merfolk deck and put up decent results. And you, you had a plan for Splinter Twin and you had a plan for, plan for Pard and you got to win games. Um, but you can't have a plan anymore because you just die. Your plan is shove four Leyline in the Void in my sideboard or some, some copies in my main deck and hope that I draw it and hope that it's good enough. And that's yeah. that's not... For me personally, that's not fun, and I think for a lot of people that play modern, that's no longer fun. Yeah, definitely. It, it certainly seems that way amongst some, like quite a fair few of the pro players as well. Yeah, I, I think the whole thing can be summed up quite nicely by a, a tweet from Brad Nelson. Um, so he, he posted a, it was a picture of two different sort of gen- Jenga towers. Uh, one of them had like three blocks removed, was was kind of fairly balanced. Uh, the other one was just like just a. a, a, a pretty much just like a, a mess just a, a spiny mess of just like blocks and gaps everywhere uh, and along, along with, with that image was uh, pretend both Jenga games on the modern format the one on the, on the left was before Hogak the one on the right is the present main deck Leyline modern both might technically be balanced yes but why am I even trying to explain this GTFO of your conversion rates <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's yeah like what like what, what is the format like what do they want it to be like yes Sure, it might technically be balanced if you're looking at it, if you're looking at a kind of like pure data from this like one tournament or whatever. But like, it looks like a mess when you look closer. But then beforehand, it didn't really look that balanced anyway. So I, I, I don't know. It's not great, right? It's really not. This is the thing. This is what we keep coming back to, right? You can you can try and do all this explaining and all of these this nuanced discussion and stuff. It's just not good. Like, it, it's not why I go into Magic for. It's not why I play Magic. I don't want to play it and I feel like a lot of people are on the same in the same boat right they yeah. don't want to play this stupid messed up format where you're just losing the game to just aggressive com- uh, efficient and consistent combos yeah I don't know yeah I, I, I don't know I, I feel like I feel like we could we could debate this point forever and I, I feel like we could we could propose many many answers but I, I do feel like the main issue is, is modern's identity problem the fact that until we know what modern's identity 
should be or what wizards want modern's identity to be than even trying to propose fixes for the format is kind of pointless at this point yeah i guess so and uh, this is the thing like like what i was saying about legacy the fact that i don't think they care and that's fine and they just hand it to the players and the players get to dictate what the format is yeah um modern is very much not that it's very much uh one of the post formats for magic the gathering it, it's it's a format they care about it's a format that they want to do well and they want to attract players right and they keep putting they keep making mythic championships the modern format and stuff so they clearly want it to go well so why aren't they i think part of the problem as well you've got to consider the fact that people own cards right people have decks even if if, even if their favorite deck is maybe this hogar deck and they've got a foil hogar deck um because they're a maniac um possibly uh possibly uh but like if they have those cards and then suddenly they release like some kind of you know philosophy document or, or they they come out and say what they want the format to be there has to be a huge restructure right like it takes a lot for Favors Looting to not be the best card in the format anymore. And it takes um, a lot for you to stop this turn three combo format that we're in, this metagame that we're in. Yeah. It takes a lot of rework. It doesn't just ban Hogar because it's like, okay, well, is it Venus who's really good again? Um, and I don't like. It's the thing. It just it takes so much to rework the format away from this position that it's somehow grown into, where it's just got more efficient and more consistent and, yeah. and, and faster and faster. From like the, when we banned Splinter Twin, it was just like this is so far removed from what that format was. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Or when Pod was banned, this is so far away from what that format was, where it was just grinding based on value, and then you you had to have to have an answer for this one win condition, and that's fine. And then you get to keep playing Magic, and then you have to have an answer for the win condition again. Yeah. Like, um. It just feels so far removed. It's just evolved to a point where it just it, it's unrecognisable as the same format. Honestly, and, yeah. and it, it's it, it needs it needs serious rework to become a format that is less degenerate and less about combos. Yeah, and I mean I don't think we'll see we'll see a real answer anytime soon. But I, I do think something needs to be done for the for the the longevity of the the health of the format. Whether yeah. that whether that is you know mass bannings and unbannings um, or it's just you know hey everybody here's a brand new format historic it's now in paper it starts at you know dominaria <coughs> let's let's see how, how how this goes you know maybe that's something that they just do in like a couple of years time like they they fully announce like the start of a, a new a new modern the modern modern i don't know like i said we, 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 we can takes, debate these these things forever yeah but it takes a lot to pull people away, people away from modern it takes people like a lot to pull people away from formats that they're monetarily invested in, that they're invested in in terms of gameplay and stuff. So like, yeah, they can, they can, why... still, they can still play those formats though. Like, yeah, but you know, it's, we it's... we play Legacy. Like, there there they, split, they will still will still be rooms room for those formats. But at some point, I just don't think it's going to make sense for for modern to be a you know a mythic championship format, a, a competitive format like that. I think once yeah, you when you, when you factor in like you factor in stuff like new players coming from arena, not being familiar with the cards, couple that with like card accessibility. Like if Magic, as Mark Rose what I said last week, like Magic in like it was the second quarter twenty nineteen is the best the game has ever done like in the history of the game. Like obviously that means new players. It means lots of new players. That means they don't have enough cards for everybody who would yeah. you know we want to play these competitive formats mm-hmm. and yeah what can you do about that other than like mass reprints and sets that are getting like more and more expensive that these players can't afford like I think the, the best thing to do would just be announce a new cutoff point here's another format to replace modern as the, the competitive format and then everything just sort of takes a, a jump backwards in the queue and yeah you still have side events at Grand Prix for modern maybe we still have Grand Prix main events that are, that are modern but yeah. as far as playing it at the, the Mythic Championship level 
I, I think the days are numbered for modern. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot to happen. I think the main the main headline for for this week is we need to ban Hogarth. What the hell's going on? This <laughs> 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 just isn't what we want to be doing at all. Yeah. Regardless of how you feel about the philosophy of the format or whatever the point to be, this is not a good card. No, <laughs> agreed. All. Yeah, let's let's ban Hogarth and at the very least unban Stone Fortress Dick. That does nothing. It, it does literally nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Make this four four on turn three. Okay, make this eight eight. <laughs> like, yeah. cut, like it, oh god, or fly yeah, over like, with t- these turn two. Turn two, play Stoneforge Mystic. Pass. Turn two, cast this Hogak. Go. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just so embarrassing. Attack with my Hogak, chump with my Stoneforge. Like, yeah, yeah, or like you know, make this four four on turn three. Okay, attack you with for nine in the air. Like, it's just so much wrong with Stoneforge Mystic. It's just so embarrassing yeah. in current modern. Yeah. that it doesn't do anything and I imagine that you know there's a point where Stoneforge Mystic is far too powerful far too efficient far like far too good for the modern format but that time is absolutely not now oh yeah agreed fully agreed so yeah that, say that's probably probably as much as we can, we can get out of our, our main topic this week without just just going on forever um, just screaming into the abyss <laughs> yeah yeah that's where Hogak needs to go to the abyss send it to the abyss and yeah. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if, if we see some some sort of like emergency ban like in, in oh. the next sort of in, in the next fortnight even like one, like once you, you factor in like the results from this weekend and the multiple performance have been with like Magic Online League results I, I think the Hogak's not long for this world or graveyard or wherever it wants to be. If you send it to the abyss, it just gets put in the graveyard and they can cast it again. You mm. need to have to exile it. It does, yeah, it needs to be removed from the game. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Oh well. So there was Oh well. <laughs> I mean there's nothing we can do though really, is there? You know, we can we can we can, we can also, debate these things, we can talk about these things, but well all we can do is wait and see. Also as someone that just plays modern because it's the format that fires at FM, I actually don't care that much yeah. personally. <laughs> I care for the health of the game. I don't care for my personal preference. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so th- there was one more thing which uh, which we got an announcement about, sort of sort of over the weekend, but but definitely properly today, which I just wanted to touch on on quickly. Uh, it was a, a rehaul of the the judge program. Uh, we're we're not really a, a judge cast, so we're we're not going to go into sort of in depth into, into what it is. But there's there's sort of been some sort of fundamental shifts to how the judge program is going to work in places. Uh, I think for the majority of, of players, like nothing changes. Like you're still going to see your judge staff at Magic Fests. Like you're still going to have your, you know, the same level twos judging your your MCQs or whatever. I, I don't think much actually changes for for the average player, but I think there's potential for a lot to change for for judges. Um, they made an announcement that Judge Academy is going to be the, the new the new sort of judge program i guess the new name of the judge program it's being set up as, as a new company uh being formed to train and certify event staff for organized play uh they said the, the the initial client is wizards of the coast and the magic community uh but they are also in talks with other, other companies and key forge is, is one one game that is is on board or is going to be on board um that they they have named already uh, so it, it's going to be like a new a new company which will sort of support how sort of the judge program works currently and, and sort of the, this kind of reflects the structure of that and I think the vast majority of the judge community there is currently will also be in this this judge this new judge academy but I, I think the aim is to more clearly define what judges are in in you know in Magic in 2019 because we're we're a long way away from. Uh, 
from the what the DCI was when it was set up and what judges were and you know a handful of lawsuits later I, I think I think some changes needed to be made and yeah absolutely yeah. I, I think yeah I think changes needed to happen I think on the whole these changes are quite good I think there's a couple of things that are going to leave people a little bit salty and are going to make make for some like there's going to be some growing pains I think and there's going to be some adjustments to a, to a new system but on the whole it seems quite positive change yeah definitely I think the the, the biggest change are the the membership fees so now you will have to pay a yearly fee based on your your judge level so they're all in, in US dollars so uh, you've got level one judges are going to have to pay a hundred dollars uh, per year level two judges two hundred dollars per year level three judges four hundred dollars per year uh, plus there is also rules advisors they are back again. Uh, so rules advisors don't pay anything uh, but they can uh, pay a fee of $50 per year if they want to and rules advisors with paying memberships will receive Judge Academy gaming accessories Uh, possibilities include sleeves playmats deck boxes and more sounds honestly like a capitalist nightmare but (laughs) I understand how it's beneficial for the system as a whole it's just every time you see the kind of you must pay to do this labour it seems kind of shifty but I understand that the actual nuance is to it right (laughs) Yeah, d- yeah, definitely. I think there are clearly reasons behind it, and I, I, I do think there, I think that the reasons are sort of well, well-meaning. Like all, all of these things cost money. Like it's going to cost money to train judges. It's going to cost money to provide, uh, you know, judge shirts. It's going to cost money to, to you know, whatever these fees are, are going to cover. Um, and I, th- I think what they want to do is, is sort of set set judges up to be like, you know, like referees in in sports, like things which other sports have. Like you, you pay a membership to FIFA if you're like a football referee. You pay memberships to, you know, whatever if you're if you're a, a hockey referee and you get certain things back for those memberships so i i think while yes in in some cases it does look like you will be paying what will be a lot of money for for some people to sort of front i think you do get or will get your your value for money be that in promotional items uh, and accessories and also just training as well and i I think i think there are there are definitely a lot of benefits i I think they do sort of outweigh the negatives but it's it's unusual but I, I do I do think that like as long as those fees don't go up anytime soon uh, I, I I think I'm fine with it I think so a hundred dollars as an upfront payment for for a level one I think a non-zero amount of players will struggle with that but I I do think there are options like you know maybe communicate to to a store that you judge at currently like if see if the store will front your your hundred dollar fee and then you can you can you know you can work x events for free or at a reduced rate for them or you could you could get like a local player to front the fee and then you know guarantee a judge foil to them or whatever i think i think there are there are things you can definitely do and i wouldn't be surprised to see like sort of community pots within the, the judge program as well being sort of set up to to help keep the keep level ones and even level twos and level threes all sort of in in this program i think they'll mm-hmm. find a way the judge program's pretty good I, I do have a lot of faith in it yeah absolutely um i think this, this is my first concern when i first heard it, it was like a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars there's a lot of money to pay to just do a thing that you, you, you've been used to doing for free yeah and you know often they're doing you know they're just workers at, at an expense anyway um in terms of like tra- travel and stuff like that but you know i think there are ways to get around that and i think like you say that there will be fixes for it yeah definitely yeah i think they, they kind of want to turn it more from this or just this volunteer thing that you were doing with your time to like almost like this proper like accredited to recognized 
positioned uh, within within gaming as a whole like the fact that they are talking to other games uh, and other sort of games companies and, and tournament organizers uh, it's something that will be, be interesting to watch and see, see where it goes definitely mm-hmm. absolutely awesome so I, I mean didn't really want to go in, in too much depth on, on that topic but if you do you do want to go check out the changes for yourself you can check out judgeacademy.com as there's a write-up about what this judge academy is and there's a nice faq section as well uh, which covers most things in depth um it's yeah it, it's certainly interesting it, it's, it's certainly something that i'll keep an eye on um and yeah, yeah like who knows maybe i'll maybe i'll become at least a rules advisor again because now that is an option that's that's one that i definitely would be interested in and it's free it is yeah I, although i do feel like I, I might even pay the 50 dollars depending on on what you would get for that yeah that's true yeah, yeah. sure yeah I, I wouldn't mind oh yeah i mean um, that's something I'll, I'll probably look into I think for sure mm-hmm. sweet awesome so it's pretty much all we have time for this week uh, if you want to get in touch with your feelings and thoughts about the Mythic Championship about Modern about Hogak or about the Judge Program uh, hit us up on social media uh, on Twitter <coughs> at HOFDcast or facebook.com slash HOFDcast uh, you can also get at us on Patreon we are patreon.com slash Hour of Devastation uh, if you like what you heard in this podcast and you feel like you want to give back in some way join the community on patreon uh patron patronage is that the term sure why not patronage starts from as little as as one dollar per month that's roughly 20 to 25 episodes per week yeah if you you feel like you like you got something at all entertainment or information and want to give anything back anything at all is 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 greatly appreciated and goes straight back into the running and upkeep of the show yeah, absolutely. Yeah, speaking of running up, keep the show, we are also going to be doing a, a mailbag episode, I guess, for want of a better term, in the, the the future. So if you have any questions at all that you want to know, just, <clears> just <throat> yeah, shout it at us, get at us on Twitter, send us an email, just just get in touch. We want to know what you want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's magic-related, not magic-related, other hobbies and interests, general, you know, life, favourite foods, favourite anything else, just um, literally anything. Um, I think with it being a cool idea, it gets it like I, I, you know, let people get to know us a little bit, a little bit more than they do currently. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So if you want to get in touch with me on my own personal social media on Twitter, I am at Peach Garden Oaf. That is Oaf with an F. Uh, you can find me shouting on about hot takes about know, Magic Online League fixing or something. Probably like I'm still, <laughs> <laughs> still arguing with people over that. Like I, I, yep. I don't understand why I have to argue that collusion and fraud are a bad thing. But hey. 2019 is wild. We live, in, we live in 2019 where those things are happening in, you know, certain parts of government, so yeah. the fact they happen on Magic Line is probably less of a concern. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <sighs> yes, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can follow me at snail69. Nice. Thank you. And I'm officially out of Facebook jail. Yeah. That's nice. Welcome back. I'm sure I'll, thank you, I'm sure I'll irritate someone in no time and they'll report me and I'll get blocked for, you know, demanding human rights or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What a oh, world we live in, eh? It's horrible. Oh, uh, also Boris Johnson's a prime minister now. Isn't that fun? Uh, it's about as fun as Hogak is in modern. Christ, it's it really has been a week. <laughs> it has been. So on that note, uh, once again, we are approaching the second hour. The Godfather has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation.